Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man back. District 21 Republican, the great state of Texas. My congressman, it's Chip Roy. Chip, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing great, Joe. I mean, I'm not in Texas. I'm in D.C., but uh, we're glad to be on with you as always. You know, we got a lot of rain in our area where, where you Good. live as well. And uh, but, but but the pollen's killing me, man. The mountain cedar's uh, killing me. So if, if, if January is the one time I'm glad when I leave Texas. <laughs> I get away from the cedar. Exactly right. Now, you and I haven't spoken since the fight for the speaker. Let's just get that out of the way very quickly. What was it about uh, that Kevin McCarthy said to you? Because you were, you were a holdout at first. That What did he say to you that said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and join on? Yeah, look, it was never personal for me. I like Kevin. I've known him a long time. Uh, For me, it was always about making sure that we made the House function better. And then we got a pledge to actually do what we said we would do and change the place in terms of spending and in terms of what committees look like. So in the end, what we got was a return to the ability to hold the speaker accountability with one person motion to vacate going all the way back to Jefferson. We got change in the makeup of committees. We got more conservatives on committees. And, And look, and Kevin's been honoring that. Uh, there's now three of us uh, solid conservatives on the rules committee. There's more representation of Freedom Caucus members on the Appropriations Committee. Michael Cloud, right down the road from you and me, yeah. Uh, and and you know four solid conservative members on the Appropriations Subcommittee, and um, there's several others, financial services, and so that's really important. The other thing we got was a commitment to have a weaponization uh, subcommittee, select subcommittee, and the Judiciary Committee to really focus on the weaponization of government and support what Jim Jordan is doing there. And then we got spending restraint. Uh, that's really important. Now, that was all on top of the stuff that was the 72 hours to read bills and the single subject stuff, which, by the way, we only got because we fought through November into December. Yeah. But there was agreement on that before Christmas, but we didn't have agreement on what the committee should look like. We didn't have agreement on what the spending restraint should look like. We didn't have agreement on, for example, amendments to be offered for the uh, Appropriations Committee that we can offer amendments on the floor and restore our ability to offer cuts. So all of those things will make the House better, and now we can get to work and try to get unified. But look, we have 200, 222 members, and you got to get 218 votes, so it takes a lot of work. Did he accept everything you and the Texas delegation wanted when it comes to the border? Uh, for the most part. So that was another set of things that we were able to get as part of this, which was an agreement to vote on the elements of the Texas border plan, which the entire Texas delegation, outgoing and incoming new members, uh, and the entire current delegation, Republican delegation, except for one member, unfortunately, Tony Gonzalez, signed on to this Texas border plan. And we uh, got a commitment from uh, Kevin McCarthy to to vote on those elements. Now, uh, that's a uh, multi-step process. You and I have talked about it on this show before, right? It's it's wall and infrastructure. It's policy changes like asylum and catch and release. It's, um, you know, it's empowering ICE. And it's going after the cartels, whether we designate them terrorists or whether we authorize force against them. It's all of those components. So we'll do that through the year. But importantly, one piece of it, H.R. 29 in this Congress, was a bill I introduced last year, H.R. 7772 last Congress. That bill would say simply that we must detain or turn away anybody that we get at the border. What does that mean? It means basically that we got to enforce existing law. If you're coming to our country and you're claiming asylum, you will be detained for the entirety of the adjudication of your claim. Or if we don't have enough beds to do that, we're going to turn away. So some people are trying to say, frankly, lies and and untruths that we're ending asylum. No, we're not. We maintain the law on asylum. But you've got to come to the United States with a credible fear of persecution, and you've got to be detained and have an adjudication of your claim. If we start doing that, the flow will dwindle to a, a trickle. 
I promise you, because that's what Trump did. Well, that well, that's a, that's what we did when I was a kid in South Florida. When somebody came from Cuba, we didn't just say, "Hey, welcome to America." We detained them to find out who they were, criminal background or not, dangerous or not, and whether their asylum claim would be accepted. Now, from Cuba, they were mainly, uh, generally speaking, accepted because Cuba is a, a communist country. These people that are coming now, and I think you told me the number is eighty-five to ninety percent are denied asylum, but we can't find them once they're here. Why wouldn't we detain them? Well, we should, right? I mean, because the way they, and I don't know the current numbers, like everything's been changing, but it's a the vast majority, uh, history tells us, are people who are either given a notice to appear and don't show up to get a, an asylum claim adjudicated, or now they're doing a lot of what we call parole, which is supposed to be a case-by-case case case special exception, and they're using parole to release people. So the vast majority are being released. Oh, by the way, of the 8,000 per day in December, the, so almost the 251,000 encounters, about a third of those are being turned away under Title 42. Now, every Republican campaigned on keeping Title 42, supports keeping Title 42, and my bill basically says effectively Title 42, but not under pandemic, but instead setting that as the policy for our border policy. Yes. You cannot secure the border with health policy. We've got to shift, fix our border, because I promise you, we're going to get to the place where it's going to become untenable to continue to use Title 42 as opposed to needing to secure the border. And you do that easily by detaining. The people who are saying that we are ending asylum, that is a lie. It is not true. We are simply saying we got to be detained while we adjudicate your claim. It's uh, District 21, Republican in the great state of Texas. It's Chip Roy. Uh, Chip, the state of Texas, I believe either yesterday, maybe this morning, uh, has has said, we're going to do a Texas Title 42. You're a great lawyer. Uh, can they do that? Because, again, the Constitution says all all issues of naturalization fall on the federal government. The federal government is not enforcing the laws you just uh, illuminated for us. Can Greg Abbott and the state legislature here in Texas do a Title 42 for the <laughs> state? Well, they certainly have a lot of authority to make sure that the health is being protected for the state uh, and the people in the state of Texas. Uh, now, what that means in terms of removal from the state of Texas, as opposed to, say, quarantining or or otherwise detaining, yeah. uh, I can't actually speak to that other than this. At the end of the day, whether you declare invasion, whether you take a Title 42 approach, whatever you choose to do as the state of Texas, and I'm for them being as aggressive as they want to be, I'll support it. You're going to have to actually take the step of actually turning people away yourself taking somebody and removing them and walking them across the bridge and right up and releasing them into Mexico and taking over that duty on behalf of Texas and then be willing to argue that in court or otherwise ignore the feds to say, I'm sorry, under the Constitution, we're being invaded. Or let's say they do this deal and they say, hey, under the health codes, we have a provision here to, you know, for the safety of our people. We're turning away. Great. Go make all those arguments. Yeah. Uh, but you got to do it. You actually have to go do right. it. You can't just say you're doing it. You have to do it. I had former federal agent uh, Victor Avila on. You, you may yeah. or may not know Victor. He's a great guy. Uh, he, of course, was in that shootout with the drug cartel that killed yep. Jaime Zapata, who yep. uh, he was killed by a Fast and Furious gun that Eric Holder and, and Barack Obama had smuggled across the border. Um, yep. He came on and he said, with with Abbott claiming invasion and had Carrie Lake won, she said she would have done the same in Arizona. With that claim... The Texas National Guard can literally, as you just said, detain these people, actually apprehend them, walk them across the border and say, go back. 
You're not going to be here. And at that point, if I'm hearing you right, that would force the federal government to then take action. Then you fight this out in court and see why the federal government isn't doing its job and whether Texas has the right to do that. Am I hearing you that that same way? Yes, that is my understanding. That is the position that the uh, attorney general of, uh, of Arizona took when he, he wrote a letter basically saying that's the law. That's the position that former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli has taken in the memoranda that he's put out. Uh, it's my read of the law and read of the Constitution and the history of that. Um, I believe it's actually important for Texas to take that step because right now we are getting darn close to out of options here. I've got this bill. We're going to try to use the spending fight and the debt ceiling fight to try to move this H.R. 29 bill. Like I said, we already have to move a few Republicans who are being recalcitrant on it, and they shouldn't be. But let's also remember the 18 Republicans, the 18 Republicans who sided with Democrats in December to fund the government at high levels all the way through next September, taking away our ability to use the spending fight in February or March to leverage getting border security fixes. They failed us. It's a problem. So now we only have a few leverage points at our disposal. So now back to your point, Texas, you're probably going to have to take this on yourself. Declare the invasion, fully declare it, execute on it, and go get it done. I'll tell you another one. Uh, the grid. You can't just hide behind the fact that there are federal subsidies that are messing up the grid. You need to go in Texas, firm up the grid by requiring all of these wind and solar producers to actually have to pay their fair share for the gas plants that need to be there online in order for the grid to work. Because right. by the end of 2023, 50% of the Texas grid, according to the Public Utility Commission, when I met with them last week, is going to be wind and solar. It's unconscionable. It makes our grid weak. And Texas should stop that in this legislative session. Now, it makes no sense. It's uh, Congressman Chip Roy. Uh, let me go back to H.R. 29 for a second. Uh, you, yep. you like you like Tony Gonzalez, so do I. I've had him on the show many, many times. Uh, is he confused about what it is that you want to do? It sounds like you want to make this statute, you want to make this the law of the land, where Tony seems to be relying on an executive order in changing enforcement through through the executive from a president. Biden's not going to do it. If we get a Republican in there, maybe they'll they'll go back to the Trump uh, policies. But are you saying, am I hearing you right that H.R. 29 would just make it, this is the law of the land, doesn't matter who the president is? Correct. We want to pass H.R. 29. We want to use the spending process, either the debt ceiling or the or the uh, actual end of the year funding fight that we'll have probably in August or September to get this bill, H.R. 29, passed. Again, it would require detention or turn away. I don't, I'm not going to speak for Tony here. I, I, he's a friend. We just disagree at the moment on this. Right. I'm, I hope to meet with him today, tomorrow, meet with some other colleagues to try to assuage their concerns. Look, you've got some groups out there like the the Catholic bishops who wrote a letter saying, oh, we think this would be terrible. Well, hold on. The Catholic bishops oppose us continuing to enforce Title 42. A lot of these groups are, frankly, helping the movement of, of migrants across our border. So we need to do our job. We go out and we say that we want to secure the border. We stand up and we say we support President Trump's policies and migrant protection protocols and building the wall and securing the border. We say that we like Title 42. Well, now this is a bill that would effectively do that, would force Biden's hand. So let's get behind it and try to tie the president's hand. So I hope to keep working with Tony to figure that out. But yeah, yeah I think he, I think he's wrong on this so far. Do you have leverage, Chip? And it's Chip Roy, District 21 Republican, the great state of Texas. Do you have leverage with the Senate that you can get the 87,000 IRS agents defunded? Um, I know that Biden has been walking around pounding his chest that he's going to veto anything that gets to his desk. But if the Democrats, if you get a mansion and a cinema to join with Republicans, you can get anything done 
that you want and get it to his desk and really push the pressure on his hand? Is he just speaking, you know, as if he's not going to do it, but he but he still will because you guys have the leverage? Do you have enough sway to get anything, uh, H.R. 29, the 87,000 defunded? Can you get anything through the Senate onto his desk and force his hand? Well, if you listen to Mitch McConnell, you would you would not think so. And yeah. this is the same guy, of course, who cut the deal with the one point seven trillion dollars, sticking it to us and our right. ability to leverage something in February or March. Um, do I think we could? Yeah, you bet. Because you go win the message. You go out there and explain to the American people what you're doing. Then you get a tidal wave of support. You put pressures on Manchin, Cinema, and others, and you're able to try to move the ball forward. Uh, look, we got cut cap and balance in 2011 when Barack Obama was the president. We've managed to get other things through. In fact, the last eight times there have been significant spending changes. It's been using the debt ceiling to get it. Right. You have to use leverage points. We could do that. We can force their hand on it. Do I think I'll get everything I want when the Democrats control the Senate and Biden's in the White House? No. But when Joe Biden stands up and he says, oh, I'm not going to negotiate, that is an untenable position. And I promise you, he will. Because he can't not negotiate. He has to negotiate. So we're going to call him out on that and say, you're not going to walk away from negotiations. It would be irresponsible for us to just say, sure, raise the debt ceiling $3 trillion, but don't change anything at all about why we're racking up debt. So we're going to sit down at the table and try to force some changes. And I think we've got some good things that we can demand and ask for. We should we should ask, for example, for an end to the uh, 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 emergency declaration for COVID. We should ask for an, uh, maybe a CR to be put in place in in uh, September if, if, the set, if the Senate doesn't pass our appropriations bills right. to, to cut it at like 1% cut. Maybe we could ask for the caps that we believe we should put in place at 22 levels, which would hold defense spending, but cut back on the woke weaponized bureaucratic state. There are a lot of things we could put out there to go win. I think we can. We should return the bureaucratic funding, the bureaucratic state's funding, to pre-COVID 2019 levels, in my opinion. Uh, you and I agree. It's Chip Roy. I appreciate the time and the access. When I look at the debt ceiling argument, I think it's kind of stupid because I, as a regular American, have credit cards and I have debt. And when I can't pay the credit card back and I can't keep up with the payments, the last thing I ask my credit card company to do is give me a higher limit. That would be kind of dumb. The credit card company says, you owe me all this money already. Why would I ever give you more leeway? Yet we appear to continue to do that. Is that a fair comparison or not? Are we asking for more debt, uh, a, a higher credit limit uh, so we can spend more money that we don't have? Yeah, I always laugh when people run and campaign on a balanced budget amendment. Yeah. The closest thing you have to a balanced budget amendment is the existing framework that we have to raise the debt ceiling. And so every year, two, three, four, five years, right, we have to choose, are we going to lift the debt ceiling, keep borrowing more money? And um, people try to hide behind what you just talked about and say, well, it's not the same, right? It's a full faith and credit of the United States. And, you know, we, we've had this for past expenditures, not right. future. Like, Hold on a second. This year, we're going to have choices to make. Are we going to use the $4.X trillion of revenue? To, what are we going to fund with that? And we should make those choices. I realize we're in a tight spot. We've made a lot of promises of Medicare and Social Security that we must maintain. We've got interest that we need to cover so that we you know, make sure we're honoring our commitments on our bonds. We need a strong military. We've, all of that adds up. right? Everything I just said adds up to basically our revenue. That leaves basically the non-defense discretionary and some other stuff outside of that. But we've got to hold that spending in check, put some forces in place to get us in the right direction, to get us to a path to balance. Nobody says we can balance the budget this year, but you can get the constraint you need to. And you know the biggest driver you need? Economic growth. Yes. You know how you get economic growth? Go knock the knees out from under the bureaucratic state. Go take them out. Whack them. Cut them down to 2019 levels. 
and then get busy fighting all of these regulations, these COVID, uh, these um, woke regulations, all of the climate change stuff that's killing our energy industry. Let's get economic growth. Let's get Reagan 4%, Clinton 4% economic growth. Then we can grow our economy. Let's hold our spending in check. Let's get a bipartisan group to figure out how to save Social Security and Medicare in the long haul. And let's do our damn job. That's all we're asking for. And it really is kind of that simple. So if I'm hearing you right, and that was very well explained, um, you are okay with increasing the debt ceiling provided there are spending cuts included. You can't say you'll, you'll cut spending later and give me the debt ceiling now. It has to be part of the deal. That's right. And look, and I don't know exactly. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to say this is the only thing I'll accept because that'd yeah. be dumb. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have to come together as Republicans. And look, I'm not afraid to play hardball, as everybody saw during the speaker's fight. Yes. But I can't just sit here and unilaterally say I'm not going to vote for the debt ceiling. That would be dumb because then I would take away my leverage to try to negotiate something better for the American people. I think, yeah. um, at some point, we're going to raise the debt ceiling. But we should damn well change things if we're going to do it. You expect it. You're my constituent. Yes. You'd be mad at me if I just said, oh, sure, blindly increase the debt ceiling. No, that would be a problem, certainly. And I, you know that it would be a problem, but I know that you also wouldn't do that. It's District 21, Republican, great state of Texas. Chip, I've got 30 seconds left. One quick question. Uh, what did you think when Kareem Jean-Pierre walked out yesterday and said, the Republicans are actively working on legislation to raise the price of gasoline for the American people? It's, it's absolutely absurd. What, because they dumped the entire Strategic Petroleum Reserve to, to try to push down the, the price of gas heading into an election? undermining our national security they have the gall to say we're doing that when they're the ones constraining all of our ability to go drill on lands federal lands we have the least number of acreage uh, since i think before world war ii that's currently being leased it's absurd they've got an attack on our uh, energy supplies and it's a break it's just absolutely offensive uh, for her to go out and say that when i saw that i was stunned i think she's talking about the fair tax but she's lying about how that would work uh but when she said it i know i had to get your comment chip thanks a million i appreciate you keep us updated on what's going on in dc okay all right, God bless you. Take care. Thank you, brother. Right back at you. We're, we're back after this. Stay right here. Don't be an A-dub. Stay with the Joe Pack Show. I appreciate Representative Chip Roy coming on. He he definitely just, he's a straight shooter, doesn't play around, loves the Constitution, is going to do all he can to protect the sovereignty of this country. And the debt ceiling fight is going to be an interesting one. The left will pretend like the Republicans want you to not have Social Security and Medicare. That's untrue. And the right's going to say, listen, cut spending, we'll give you what you need. Keep it here. Coming back. This is the Joe Pegg Show.